I'm going to read some scripture, guys. If you could um, take your paper Bible, and if you don't have that, use your electronic one, and turn to Galatians 3, 1 through 7. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Amen. All right. uh, Good morning. What a uh, what a great passage of scripture in seven verses there are five questions and uh the holy spirit's really trying to get uh, the galatians attention here in uh, galatians uh, chapter number three we see uh the holy spirit writing through the apostle paul to a church that he started and uh they were jewish people and so they were used to the works of the law the the mosaic law the ten commandments they were used to that being the standard of their behavior and so then he preaches christ to them they believe in the gospel that is preached and they are saved by grace through faith that not of themselves not by works so they could not boast just like you and i cannot boast but the galatians started having a problem They were not progressing forward. They weren't standing still. They were actually going backwards. They were regressing away from faith and back into the works of the law. They were moving back into, here's a list that I have to do. Here's a list I can't do. And my standing with God is in direct relationship as to how how well I adhere my life to these rules. They were going backwards. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, the Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to that church in Corinth. He said, when I was a child... I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Now I'm going to ask you to do something for a moment. Remember what it was like in your life before Christ. Remember what it was like before you met Christ. I don't know how old you were when you met Christ, but remember back what that was like. Perhaps you were an adult, maybe you were in high school or college or maybe beyond. Maybe you were born again when you were a child, but remember back before the, the emptiness, the, the, the ideas about if I'll just do this or go over here, experience that, I will be fulfilled. And you were fulfilled for a moment. And yet at the end of the day, At the end of the week, at the end of the month, 
you recognize that you were just as empty after all of these experiences as you were before because you did not have Christ in your life. And it's important for us to remember back what it was like before Christ, but then remember when you came to Christ and you were first starting in that relationship with him and how exciting it was and how powerful it was and what a transformation that happened in your life and, and wow, what the change that happened. And that's what Christ does when he comes into our life. It is everything is different and we begin to progress and move forward. Remember the calling and the direction that God gave you. The, the, the mission, the path that he started pointing you toward and you started traveling down that path. But we also have to remember our foundation is not in our performance, but in Christ. Our foundation is never how good we become or how much sin we have forsaken and what the things that we're now doing. That is never our foundation. Our foundation is found in Christ and Christ alone. The Galatians were forsaking that. And we're actually going backwards. Let's talk for a little bit about how transformation begins. Transformation, true transformation begins with number one, looking back. We remember where we came from. We remember all the mistakes that we made. We remember the sin. We remember the, the disgruntledness of our own life, the conflict in our own life that we knew somehow that we were made for more, but we weren't experiencing more. We were made for something different, but we weren't experiencing something different. And we remember what that was like. Now, I'm not going to ask you to tell your age, but if you're in your 30s, you can be thankful that you're not anymore in your 20s. Remember what you did in your 20s? Some of you were born again and some of you weren't, so that could be different stories there. But remember, the mistakes you made in your 20s, now you're in your 30s and you're going like, thank God I'm not making those same, you're not making those same mistakes, right? Just checking. You say, I'm, thank God I, I went through that period, but I'm not making those mistakes. I'm making new mistakes. I hope you're making new mistakes and not old mistakes. Because when we progress and we move forward, Mistakes are just a part of that process. Now, maybe you're in your 40s and you're looking at your 30s and it's the same picture. Oh, yeah, I remember 30s, that was whatever was happening. Now I'm older and I'm, I'm progressing forward. There's change in our lives, but it's important for us to look back at different times and to say, I am no longer that person. Is there anybody here today that would say, thank God I'm no longer that person? We've progressed, we move forward. But transformation causes us to look back, and sometimes we need to look back and to, to not just simply be dissatisfied with where we are now. I want more and further. We need to look back and say, We've come a ways, haven't we? We've come a ways. And we need to be thankful for that and say, God, you are the reason why I'm not making those same mistakes. I'm making new mistakes because you've brought me to a newness of life, whether in my 30s or 40s or 50s or whatever you're at. So, True transformation has an aspect of looking back, but secondly, it has an aspect of looking in. What is really happening in your life? See, the Galatians had, had stopped progressing, they stopped, and then they were actually going backwards. Is it possible that either you're staying stagnant or actually that you're going backwards. God would have none of that. He wants us to continue to progress forward and to move forward. But we've got to look in and say, what is happening inside of my life? Now, if you've been here any length of time, you know that I'm not about preaching about self and navel-gazing and looking to yourself. That's where the 
No, Christ is where the answers are. But we've got to look at our lives and say, am I still like I was or am I progressing forward? Am I still moving forward? And we've got to really have an examination of our lives to see, are we progressing forward? What is happening inside of us? Are we simply stuck on what today is called behavior modification? Now, behavior modification, what really is that? It's about saying, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm not doing that very well. I need to get better at that. And, and you know, I'm, I really need to stop doing that. Maybe it's eating Oreos at night. I don't know, what it, whatever it is. But I need to stop doing that, and I need to start doing that. Behavior modification, I'm going to modify my behavior. Now, you say, well, is that bad? No, it's, it's a good thing. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's probably what you want for your children, right? But behavior modification will only get you so far, and it will only change you so much, and it may not even change you in the direction that God wants you to go in. Behavior modification has its place, but what God wants to do in our lives is called spiritual transformation, which is different than behavior modification. The Ten Commandments talks about behavior modification, but in Christ we are new creatures, amen? In Christ we have newness of life, and therefore our transitions our transformation starts from the inside and works its way outside it starts in a heart change and therefore then a behavioral change it doesn't work from the outside in but the inside out i want to ask you to turn uh, with me in your bibles to uh, romans chapter number eight and i want to just focus in on a couple of uh, verses here Romans chapter number 8, and we'll start at verse number 23. Well, actually, let's start at verse number 26. Let's read the first four words of verse number 26. In the same way. So the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to, to talk about something, to write about something. And then he says, in the same way, and then he talks about something else. So these two are connected. So the first thing that we're going to read and then the second thing we're going to read are connected. So Paul talks about something, and he says, in the same way, and he talks about something else. So remember, these are connected. Now let's go to verse number 22. Romans 8, 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Talks about creation. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope, for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Here, the Holy Spirit is saying, the creation groans and waiting for a day that is to come. John in the Revelation wrote about it. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he goes through that whole revelation, but he gets toward the end. And he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle or the meeting place of God is with men. God will be their Savior. God will be their God, and they will be his people. So we see that there is something that this, even this creation is yearning for. But then he says, but we are doing the same thing. He's writing to Christians, but he says, it, it, salvation did not make us perfect. It made us in a right standing with God. And so we are still longing for that day when there is a perfection. We're longing for that day when all of this corruption is wiped away and there is a place in which only righteousness dwells. We're looking forward to that. We're yearning for that. And I think in the same way, we, we, we take the grandness of that and we bring it down into ourselves and we say, How, aren't we a... a a capsulation, if you will, of that very thing. Christ has saved us, and we have been born again, and our sins have been forgiven, and yet we're still in this body, we're still in this world, and we still have a hope for more. We still have a hope for a righteousness in which that is all that dwells in that place, and that's all that dwells within us, that we don't have to worry about sin, and we don't have to come to God and say, God, please forgive me. We are in a state of righteousness that is above reproach. We're yearning for that. We're yearning for that transformation. Now let's read the next part of what the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write, verse 26, in the same way. The Scripture helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groanings. He's saying even though we're Christians, we have weaknesses. Even though we're Christians, we, we still struggle. We're still, we're still trying. Even though we're saved, even though we're redeemed, even though we have a, a vast, powerful relationship with Christ, we are still hoping for greater transformation. And we should. He's saying, but we have weaknesses. Said, but the Holy Spirit has been given to us because if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. This is the Holy Spirit's given to us. We don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groanings. Well, let's let's talk about that for a moment. We don't know what to pray for. The Bible instructs us how to pray and what to pray for. And yet, with all of the instructions from the Word of God, there are still things we don't know what to pray for because we're facing things that are intricate and specific, and we're saying, God, I, I don't even know what to pray about. I don't even know how to, I don't know what to, how to address this. I don't know what the future holds. I don't, want, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know how to pray for this. And it's, it's the, I'm, so God's saying, don't worry, I've given you the Spirit, and He knows what to pray for. He knows how to pray. And so the Bible says he, the Holy Spirit intercedes. Christ, Christ is the bridge that brings us from sinner to saint, from lost to saved, from death to life. Christ is that bridge of salvation. But from that point on, can we say that the Holy Spirit has been given to us and he is the bridge it says, I'll take you from where you're at to where you need to go. I will take you from the state that you're in to the state you need to be in. I'm going to take you from that level of maturity or immaturity to a greater level of maturity. He's the one that walks with us and leads us. That's why we are called to walk in step 
with the Spirit. And he says he does this through wordless groanings. Other translations would say it a different way. Is the Apostle Paul talking about praying in tongues? Well, I would say yes. That's praying in the Spirit. It's praying in tongues. He said to the Corinthian church, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Not to be confused with a message in tongues needing an interpretation. This is in the prayer closet. This is where you're at privately. And he's saying, I'm, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Praying in the Spirit, wordless groanings that, that we're, we're trying to express to God. This can be praying with tears and just moans that we're just praying, God, I don't I know what to pray for, but God, I know that you want me to go further and you want me to go, but I'm being held back. I can't progress forward it is beyond my capability and we go to God in prayer and we pour out our heart to him and we're saying God I don't know how to move forward and the Holy Spirit's saying relax I've got this I'm going to take you where you need to go but see the problem is if we don't want to go through that struggle and allow the Holy Spirit to do that inner work within us that spiritual transformation then we become like the Galatians and we get stuck where we're at and evidently, we start going backwards. We start saying, okay, I don't want to go through the struggle of the Holy Spirit leading me through that spiritual transformation, so I'll just do behavior modification. And then we're stuck. We're stuck going backwards instead of forward. And so he's given us the Holy Spirit to bring spiritual transformation in our lives. No substitute for salvation. Salvation is the start of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. The Holy Spirit brings you to that point of Christ. Christ is our Savior. And then the Holy Spirit leads us as we walk in step with him into maturity. The third aspect of the spiritual transformation is looking up. God remains the one who can and will transform your life it is not up to us it, it is not up to how how strong we try how much we work and how hard we try and we're going to be determined I'm not trying to embarrass anyone but has any did anyone make a new year's resolution on january 1st and have anybody kept it to this point anybody at all kept your new year's resolution because if you have we're just going to kind of bow down and honor you today for being one in a million say over like i think it's 40% or 60% of the people, you know, uh, stop doing their New Year's resolution on January 9th. So why do we do that? <laughs> it's this desire in us to go, I'm, I'm going to do it. And if we come to this point where we go, you know, I'm going to become a better Christian. Well, you lost it right there. You're going to say, Lord, I want, I want, I want to move forward. I need the Holy Spirit working my life. God, please work in my life. And it's not a Holy Spirit you have to pray down. Oh, God, Holy Spirit, come down on me. The Holy Spirit's in you. We have to say, God, I want to relinquish my life to the power of the Holy Spirit, that closet in my life, that, that thing that I've been keeping to myself. It's that segment of my heart that I've just not allowed God to come in and bring a transformation. Lord, I'm opening up. I'm opening up the door of that area of my life and saying, Holy Spirit, come in. That, that struggle that I've been having, I've been I'm trying to stop doing this. I know that's holding me back, and I'm trying. I've tried and tried, and I can't do it. That's when we say, God, God, I can't do it. Holy Spirit, will you do a work in my life and do whatever needs to be done so that I can get rid of this thing and move on 
in my spiritual maturity. That's what God does. And I believe that if I were to ask for testimonies all across this church, man, you'd be going, yes, I, I can relate. I've seen it. I've done it. The Holy Spirit's done a great work in our lives. And he wants to continue to do that. I've said this a few times. I, think, I hope the, the day that I am the most mature in Christ is like the day before I die. I just want to keep moving. I want to keep growing no matter how old I am, no matter what I'm doing. Long after anybody wants to show up on Sunday and hear anything I have to say, I want to keep growing in the Spirit because that's what we're called to do. we got to look up. God is the one. Well, three things really quickly to just talk about celebration. We are free to celebrate three things. His mercy is new every day. No matter what you're struggling with, no matter how long you've struggled with it, his mercy is new every day. Aren't you thankful for that? My word, his mercy is new every day. There's a book in the Bible, if you feel a little depressed and you need some encouragement and inspiration, don't read Lamentations. Okay? Lamentations is from the word lament, which means like, like weep, be sorrowful, mourn, be sad. <laughs> Five chapters. The book of Lamentations. So obviously five chapters of just basically saying, paraphrase, we're idiots and God's been pretty rough with us. That's a paraphrase of five chapters. But right there in the middle, chapter three, and almost in the middle of chapter number three, here's what it's believed that Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. Uh, uh, yeah, Jeremiah. Here's what he says in, in Lamentations 3.21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I mean, just, it is important what you call to mind. He says, this is what I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. Amen? They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then he says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Man, that's powerful. In the middle of this book of just roughness, man, just weeping, there's this great, bright, shining light of hope. He says, I'm calling to mind God. He says, I'm not calling to mind how hard we've worked and how good we can become. No, our effort. He says, I'm calling to mind God. His mercies are new. His compassions are new. Every morning, every day. And then he says, and this is what I'm going to say to myself. Man, you need to talk to yourself, and it needs to come after you've called to mind the Lord's faithfulness. And we need to begin to say to ourselves, you know what? The Lord is faithful. The Lord is powerful. The Lord forgives. The Lord has compassion. The Lord is the same every day. His compassions are new every day. God wants to bless us. God wants to encourage us. God wants to take us from wherever we are, moving forward to become more like Christ. And that's what we've got to begin to say to ourselves. Not about behavior modification. We're going to say, you know what? The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. Now, we don't really use that terminology, do we? What that word portion means is really, in, in this context, he was saying, because we are Jewish, because we're Israelites, 
That is our portion given to us by God, and therefore he is our portion because we are his chosen people. And we say the same thing in Christ. Because we are in Christ, we are God's portion, and he is our portion. He is the one who's responsible for us, and he is the one we respond to. Jeremiah is saying it. Whatever's happening in this mess, and it was a mess, he said, God is faithful, and he is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Second thing we rejoice in and we celebrate, his calling is without repentance. Aren't you glad? His calling is without repentance. God's called you to be his child. He didn't change his mind. God's called you to mature. He hasn't changed his mind, nor will he. God's called us. His calling is without repentance. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, for God's gifts and call are irrevocable. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. The transformation in your life is God doing a work in your life. I want to encourage you today, don't ever be satisfied where you're at in your spiritual journey. Look back and say, thank God I'm not there anymore. Thank God I'm here, but I'm not going to stay here. I'm moving on. I'm going to continue to mature and allow the Holy Spirit to transform me from the inside out. The third thing we celebrate, his work will be completed in you. That's his promise, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I mean, we have that confidence. We have the confidence that it's not about us. It's not what we can do. It's about what we allow the Holy Spirit to do in our lives. And that's where the Holy Spirit, he begins to meddle a little bit. That closet that we've not allowed him access to, the Holy Spirit will come up and just kind of rattle that door a little bit. You going to let me in? You going to let me transform your life? That habit you haven't been able to break, that progress you haven't been able to make, I'm here. I'm here. I intercede for you with unutterable groans, just groans and unutterable words. I know the will of the Father. We decided what you were to become and how you're supposed to grow. I've got this. But you got to let me in. He rattles that door. You going to let me in? And when we do, that's when transformation begins to happen. Is it always easy? No. Is it always comfortable? Probably never. But is it powerful? Yes, it is. It's powerful. As the Holy Spirit wants to take us into spiritual transformation, just continue that journey. Just continue moving. Encouragement, the challenge for us today is to always say yes to God. To always come and say, God, yes. Yes. I don't really want you into that closet I've been keeping closed, but I need you in that closet I've been keeping closed. 
I need you to mess up, mess with me in this area that I've not been able to overcome. I need, I need you to, to mess me up so that I can become more like Christ. You know what I'm saying? The terminology. As long as we're just holding on, we're not growing. We open up the door and let go of control. We just say, Holy Spirit, you lead me and guide me. And that's where spiritual transformation happens. But the greatest and first step in spiritual transformation is being born again. Becoming a Christian or being converted. There's a lot of different words and terminologies. But it is really where we come and just say, you know what? I recognize there is a something missing in my life. There's something that's not there that I just know should be. I don't have a connection with God. I, I may have been in church for years or maybe not. Maybe you just started coming. But yet there's that emptiness in our lives. There's, there's that void. And that void is just Christ. It's just that you're allowing God to come into your life and say, God, I, I don't, I don't want to live empty. I want to live full. I don't want to have experiences that then just leave me with nothing. I want to have an experience with you in which I become one of your children. And that's what he's promised, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. Anyone who calls on his name. Anyone who comes and says, God, I need you. Christ, I, I believe in you. Lord, I need you in my life. God's going to answer that prayer. And you can be converted, which just means simply a change, a transformation. And you can have that happen today by just simply praying. Say, God, please, I, I'm, I'm yours. I'm yours. Come into my life, please. Take me, save me, forgive me. When we pray that, man, God is, he's on it. And that's the greatest transformation anyone has ever experienced is being born again. But then after that, we continue spiritual transformation until the very end. So what is it that you need today? Is it salvation to say, God, please save me, convert me? Or is it, okay, I know I'm saved, I'm good, but Lord, there's some areas in my life I've been holding on to. I'm asking you, Lord, get into that closet. I'm opening up the door. Come on in. Mess me up so I can become more like Christ. Mess me up so that I can move through spiritual transformation.